Tom, why are you trying to kill me? What have I done that's so egregious to you that, that you are continuing to put all this energy into pursuing me and killing me? Now let my Lord the King listen to the servant's words, verse 19. If the Lord has incited you against me, then may he accept an offering. If, however, people have done it, may they be cursed before the Lord. They have driven me today from my share in the Lord's inheritance and have said, go serve other gods. Now do not let my blood fall to the ground far from the presence of the Lord. The King of Israel has come out to look for a flea as one hunts a partridge in the mountains. Notice Saul's response. Saul's remorseful here when he hears David saying this, when he learns a second time that David could have killed him and he he doesn't take Saul's life because he's the Lord's anointed. Uh, then David, then Saul said, rather, I have sinned. David, come back, my son, because you considered my life precious today. I will not try to harm you again. Surely I have acted like a fool and have been terribly wrong. So Saul's admitting his, his error of his ways. Saul says, I'm acting foolish. I've done the wrong thing. Notice David. Here is the king's spear. That same one that you tried to kill me with, you might be thinking. Let one of your young men come over and get it. The Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and faithfulness. The Lord delivered you into my hands today, but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. As surely as I valued your life today, so may the Lord value my life and deliver me from all trouble. Then Saul said to David, May you be blessed, David, my son. You will do great things and surely triumph. So David went on his way and Saul returned home. Now in the storyline of King David's life and his, uh, and King Saul's life and all this interaction where David's on the run, uh, this is their last personal encounter. Uh, and Saul's on this downward spiral and we come to chapter 28 and he he's going to a medium at Endor uh, to, to try to get some information. So he, he goes into witchcraft and sorcery. And then a little bit later, uh, Saul meets his death. Saul is, is uh, severely injured in battle. He asks his armor bearer to kill him. The armor bearer refuses to do that. And King Saul falls on his own sword and, and, and is, is dead. So this is the last encounter between uh, between David and Saul. And uh, Saul is continuing, at least in this chapter, to pursue David. And David spares his life again. Well, in the 15 minutes that we have left here, I just want to share uh, some life lessons from 1 Samuel chapter 26. So what can we... What can we learn from this this chapter that we can uh, apply to our lives um, today? So let's look at four lessons quickly. And here's the first one uh, is this, that we all need a band of brothers or sisters on our journey through life. We all need uh, a band of brothers. I'm talking about friendship here of brothers and sisters on our journey through life. So here's David, and he asks Ahimelech and Abishai, um, 
who's going to go with me? And he, and he gets one response. Uh, Abishai says, I'll go with you. It's interesting, as we read through the life of David, we discover that David not only was traveling with 600 men through his um, running from King Saul, but when you come to 2 Samuel, the end of 2 Samuel um, chapter 23, we discover that um, David had a band of men. Uh, they're called mighty warriors, and they're listed in 2 Samuel chapter 23. In fact, if you want to turn there, let me just read a few verses here. These are the names of David's mighty warriors. Joshabashabath, a Tekamite, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. So we're going to read about all these mighty men that were part of, of David's um, force here. Next to him was Eliezer. Uh, next to him, verse 11, was Shammah. Uh, verse 13, during harvest time, three of the 30 chief warriors came to David. Um, and at that time, David was in a stronghold. The Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. That's an amazing story. We don't have time to look at it, but David's in battle with his men. The Philistines have captured Bethlehem. David wants a drink of water. He's thirsty. And so three of his men break through enemy lines, go to the well of Bethlehem, bring some water, bring it back to David. Because he was thirsty. The king was thirsty. David doesn't drink it. He, he pours it out on the ground as, a, as an offering to God because those guys risked their life to get the king a drink of, of water. Um, it goes on to list uh, some of these mighty warriors. Here's, here's Abishai again, the same fellow that went into the camp with David in, in our passage. Uh, Abishai, the brother of Joab, son of Zariah, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 300 men whom he killed, and so he became famous as the three. And so there's all these bands of, of warrior brothers that David had, and when we get to the end of the chapter, uh, all of them are listed. Uh, we get to the verse 39, uh, there were 37 in all. So David had 37 mighty warriors that walked through life with him. I'm wondering about you. You have, you have some people that are walking through the Christian life with you. A Christian life has never been designed to be lived alone and we read those one another phrases in the, in the New Testament that we're to encourage one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens. God never designed us to live in isolation in the Christian life. In fact, that is a sure formula for discouragement and depression to try to live the Christian life alone. And so God's designed us to have a, a group of people that we journey through life with that will go to bat for us. And when David says, who will go with me, that we'll have somebody say, hey, I'll do that with you, David. I'll, I'll take great risk with you, David, going down into Saul's camp. And uh, Abishai did that. Ecclesiastes, and it's a passage that's often used at a wedding, but it says two are better than one. 
And that's certainly true in our journey through life. And so I'd encourage you to, to develop uh, a band of brothers, a, a handful of brothers or sisters who, who you can count on, who will encourage you, who will take some risk and sacrifice when you need it. I remember about five or six years ago, just as a quick illustration of this story, many of you if you've been here a long time, Gene uh, uh, Osborne was a longtime faithful member here. And um, about five or six years ago, Gene died of Parkinson's disease. And we had a funeral here at the church for Gene. But then Gene um, was going to be buried in, in Indiana. And so there was another service in Indiana, um, trying to remember the, the particular city. I'm thinking Laporte, but I might be wrong. Uh, and so uh, we had a funeral here, and then there was a second funeral and a burial in Indiana. It was about a four-and-a-half-hour drive, and uh, so I was going to officiate at both of those funerals and the burial. And uh, I remember a couple days um, before that funeral, uh, somebody from our church here uh, contacted me and said, Hey, I've, I've got some time. Um, would you like me to go along with you on that drive to Indiana. And uh, Diane wasn't able to go because of her responsibilities. And uh, I said, you know what? I think rather than driving four and a half hours there by myself and four and a half hours back, I think I would like to have some company and encouragement in the car. And uh, that proved to be a, a great a great blessing in, in my life. Do you have anybody that when they say, who will go with me? Do you have some Abishai's in your life? I hope you do. We all need that band of brothers and sisters as we journey through life. Secondly, we want to discover that God is at work in our lives and circumstances, even when we're not aware of it. And that should encourage us this morning, because sometimes when we're facing situations and circumstances in our lives, we step back and we think that, that God's not doing anything, or he's certainly not doing anything according to our timetable. And what I want you to encourage you this morning is that even when it doesn't seem like God's at work, God is working. That was true in the story here, when David and Abishai went into the enemy territory, um, they didn't know the end of the story, but what God God was protecting them, wasn't he? He, he put the, those 3,000 troops in that deep, deep sleep, and he protected them. You ever thank God for his daily protection in your life? Whether you're at work or driving on the freeway or whatever your occupation is. Uh, God, God is at work in our life and circumstances even when we're not aware of it. 